0: Welcome to the Birth Warrior Podcast. In each episode, we feature the stories of birth warriors, women who have persevered to find their own truth in pregnancy and birth. As you hear these women share their stories of love, autonomy, connection, and power, it is our deepest wish that you will be inspired, empowered, and supported to find your own truth. We are honored these women have stepped forward to share their personal stories and to help us remember that we all have the power to choose what is right for us. The Birth Warrior Podcast is a presentation of the Indie Birth Association and is not intended to be medical advice.
1: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Birth Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Jaden Graham. Today we have Megan on the show. Megan is a wife and mother of two sweet children and lives on a little homestead in Montana. Through her most recent pregnancy and birth, she was able to discover a deep trust within herself, her body, and what it was created to do. I also wanted to mention that at various points throughout the episode, you might hear some strange feedback, almost like an echo on my end. and that would be doing a total disservice to the content of the episode if I attempted to edit it out. So just wanted to make you all aware of that. It is not you, it is me. All right. Enjoy the show. Hey Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Hey, it's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so wherever you would like to begin. Okay, awesome. Um, so I guess the start of my journey to motherhood started before I, I had, um, my first two kids that are here with us now, I had a miscarriage the first time we tried to get pregnant and that really, really affected me a lot. And it's like, just what I've learned from that has really carried on into my whole journey of motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I lost the baby really early. I didn't even know what the gender was, but I gave the baby a name. Their name is Eden. It just was a, a way for me to kind of heal from that. And then the very next month after I miscarried, I got pregnant with my first daughter, Sophia. And then she was six months old when I got pregnant with my my next baby. So that was that's, that's the story that I want to share today was my son, Dimitri's birth. Um, so they my two kids are really close in age. So I only have a 15 month age gap and I could definitely feel, uh, that kind of wearing on my body during Demi's pregnancy. It was kind of a rough, um, pregnancy. I had a lot of, um, pubic bone pain and pelvic pain and stuff like that. And, um, and then starting at, 37 weeks. I actually thought I was going into labor the day I turned 37 weeks because I had what totally felt like labor contractions. And um, I called my midwife and she said that it's probably just prodromal labor. But I had prodromal labor for three straight weeks. It would start in the morning as soon as I got up out of bed. And then it wouldn't end until like an hour after I went to bed that night. Um, So that happened for like three weeks, which was kind of annoying. (laughs) But um, after my labor, I realized that all that was doing something. And I was actually um, grateful for the Perdomo labor because my labor was like super fast. Mm -hmm. Um, So his due date was March, actually March 3rd, but because it was leap year, it was actually March 2nd. Um, So on that night, we went to bed Just like normal, I had been having my prodromal labor contractions all day long, and I went to bed, and they didn't stop an hour after I went to bed, which I had gotten pretty good at sleeping through contractions, so I didn't even really notice. And then about midnight, a contraction woke me up, and it felt pretty different than all the prodromal labor contractions I'd been having. It was a lot stronger and um, deeper, I guess. Um, but just after like th- three straight weeks of all these contractions, I was like quite skeptical and I was like, not going to get my hopes up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just got up and I went to the bathroom and walked around a little and I went lay back down. Um, I was trying to just like feel the contractions and try to decide if I should wake up my husband. I, I really couldn't tell if they were real or not. Um, But yeah, I laid back down and I had a contraction laying down and it was so painful. I remember from my daughter's labor that laying down is like my least favorite position while I'm in labor. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so about 1230, so I had been trying to figure figure out what was going on for like half an hour and I woke up my husband at 1230 and I texted my midwife and, um, Luke was all like, are you sure this is the real thing? Cause I don't really want to wake up. He was like all sleepy and it's like, just be sure this is the real thing before you wake me up. <laughs> um, but then he got excited to think that this might be labor. So he got up anyway, but I had texted my midwife and she asked me to time them. And right about then was when it started getting really intense. And that's actually when I think I hit transition and timing the contractions just seemed so daunting. So I was only able to time the first two and then my husband had to time the rest of them. I would just like squeeze his hand when I would have one and then when it would stop. But like it required so much focus to get through the contractions that I just couldn't even think about timing them. So we timed about five contractions and they were all 60 seconds long and 60 seconds apart. And they were just like right one on top of the next, like, s- super intense. And so we sent my midwife the results of timing the contractions, and she was like, okay, I'm going to get out of my pajamas, and I'm on the way. She was like, I'm not going to mess around with this because she lives an hour away from us. Um, so I kind of had a feeling that she wouldn't make it in time. But I was actually really kind of excited about that. Before mm-hmm. Before I went into labor, I was almost, like, hoping – that my labor would be fast and that she wouldn't make it because I just, (laughs) after my experience with miscarriage and then with my daughter's uh, birth and then all the prodromal labor, like just all the, those events kind of brought me to this place where I just totally trusted my body and what was Mm -hmm. happening. And so I really wanted to just see if I could do it by myself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So yeah, she, obviously didn't make it, (laughs) but, um, we had a list of stuff on the refrigerator that we wanted to do once labor started, because I kind of assumed that it would be like last time where I would have like several hours of just active labor where I could like walk around in between contractions and stuff. Um, so we needed to do things like cover the windows in the living room so that people wouldn't watch me be in labor since it would probably be at night. Uh, we needed to get the birth supply box And so my husband was trying to run around and do all these things in like the 30 to 60 seconds in between my contractions (laughs) because I like needed him with me during the contractions. And then when a contraction would end, he would like run around like a maniac trying to do this stuff. And I finally was just like, look, it's just not going to get done. It's fine. Just, I need you to be here with me during the contractions. And so he, none of the stuff got done, but that's okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) yeah, it was all good. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I I really needed him there. I would like, I was kind of leaning over our, um, I was leaning over our baby gate that was in between the kitchen and living room. And during a surge, I would need to relax my entire upper body. So I kind of like, I was like bent over at a 90 degree angle And he would like support my whole upper body during a contraction. But I like had to be standing, but I needed to not use any of my upper body muscles. It was kind of this weird position that I had going on. So he had to like support my entire upper body weight while I had a minute long contraction. I felt bad for him because I knew he was going to be getting tired if we did this for very long. But, um, and my brain hadn't really realized how fast this was going. Like I just was in total denial like in the logical side of my brain that this was like really happening like this but my instincts seemed to kick in really strong and my body just kind of knew exactly what to do I remember going over to our kitchen entrance because it was just subfloor in there we hadn't remodeled that area of our house yet so I knew that if I got it all messy it wouldn't really matter but I, I didn't even really think about it I just went over there it was like very interesting how that happened Mm -hmm. Um, let's see I started dripping blood which was I think scary for Luke but I was so deep into it that I didn't really care but he texted our midwife Sandano and asked about it and she said it was probably just from my cervix opening so ridiculously fast Um, so he was texting with um, Sandano because I, I couldn't And asking her stuff and she was telling us that she was like 30 minutes away I'm almost there she was like texting us updates every time she would get to the next town um and what was interesting to me was that in my last labor I was so loud I would like scream through every contraction once I hit transition and I did that in the two hours of transition and the three hours of pushing and so I thought that I was just loud during labor and I figured that's how this one was being, but I was, I was so quiet during this labor, which I was really happy about. Cause our daughter was sleeping upstairs and I didn't want to wake her up, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was like super quiet as a mouse for most of the time. And then as I got closer to pushing, I started like growling like this really deep guttural primal noise that. I had never heard myself make before. It was a little weird. And uh yeah, mm-hmm. very, yeah, mm-hmm. like kind of growling. I actually have a video of the birth and I remember hearing my noises that I was making on the video. And I was like, I don't remember making that noise in the moment, but it was mm-hmm. kind of funny. Um During each contraction, it was like a freight train was moving through me. It was just happening so fast. Like I've heard other people Compare to traction, contractions that are really fast to a freight train moving through their body, and I didn't really understand that until this labor because it was totally like that. And it took everything I had not to panic, but there was one point where I almost let myself like get out of control, and it made it so much more painful that that contraction. So it was like crazy how much just being calm like managed the pain of the contractions. Mm-hmm. But I would just tell myself, like, at the peak of a contraction, I would keep saying, this is the worst it's going to be. And I can get through it. I haven't died yet. And then afterwards, I would say um, just to myself that this was le- one less contraction than I have to do later. Like, each contraction was, like, bringing me closer to meeting my baby. And that was, like, kind of, like, my internal pep talk. <laughs> um but yeah, one of the other crazy things was that I remember thinking to myself that the midwife would get there and check me and tell me that I was like one centimeter dilated. Like this was my worst fear throughout the whole labor. But that's like totally ridiculous because I was probably already at 10 centimeters at that point. <laughs> um, did that stem from your last
1: uh, labor? What? Did, did that fear, was that, was that, did that kind of stem from your last labor that you had?
0: Um, I guess so, probably. I mean, that last labor was 24 hours, and I just remember being really disappointed about how long it took, and that, I mean, I had a cervical lip during that one, and I just remember being frustrated that my body wasn't, like, working properly, and so I guess, yeah, I never thought about that. That's interesting. I guess it probably did stem from that, that I just wasn't sure that my body would do it by by itself, but Mm -hmm. yeah, that's interesting. Mm. Um... Yeah. So I started leaking water and I thought I was peeing myself, (laughs) but then like every time I would have a contraction, it would like press more amniotic fluid out. So I I realized that my water had broken. (laughs) Um, but like every, every contraction would like squeeze more out. I guess maybe it was the pressure of the contraction that was pushing it out. But that was interesting. We made a huge mess from all the blood and amniotic fluid on our floor but <laughs> mm-hmm. um so at 1 30 it had been an hour since I actually realized that it was labor and that was like my transition period was an hour and then at that point I started feeling like I needed to poop <laughs> and I was totally sure that I had and afterwards I asked Luke did I poop and you just cleaned it up and he's like no you didn't you just had the baby but I like was so sure that I had it was weird <laughs> mm-hmm. um but my I hadn't experienced this with with my last labor the fetal ejection reflex. I had to work so hard at pushing myself with my first birth, but with this one my body just like totally took over and it was just like bearing down by itself. It was such a cool experience. Um but I wasn't I wasn't pushing with the contractions yet because for some reason I still thought I was wasn't all the way dilated. I still had this thought that I was like only one or two centimeters. Um, so I decided to check myself and I found that he was only like an inch or less away from coming out. So I was like, okay, I guess that means I'm dilated so I can like push with the contractions. (laughs) But yeah, at, at that point I started pushing with them and that made it go like super fast. Um, and Luke was like, he would help me during contraction and then when it would end, he would like try to mop up some of the mess that I was making on the floor and he was helping me put uh clary sage essential oil on my back and my wrists. And I hadn't gotten to use a lot of the things that I wanted to, like my essential oil diffuser and all these things that I had planned for labor. So I was really glad that he was doing that with the essential oils so that I at least had one of the things that I planned for managing pain. Um, but once I started pushing with the contractions, I think I only pushed like twice and then I felt the ring of fire and he was crowning. And I, this was another thing that was just kind of instinctive that I didn't even really think about was that I just like squatted down. I went from standing to this squat and, um, as his head came out, I kind of like lunched forward from the sharp any pain and I like ran into our, our baby gate and Luke had no idea that it was happening this fast so he kind of looked at me like what are you doing like why are you like slamming yourself into this gate Um, mm-hmm. but then I, I reached down and I felt his head come out like I had my hand on his head as it came out of me which was so cool and his head just kind of hung out there until my next contraction and at that point Luke kind of looked down and he was like he did one of those like double looks like, what? He's out. <laughs> he was <laughs> he was definitely not expecting that, but it was pretty funny. <laughs> but the next contraction I had, his body slithered out. I already had my hands down there kind of touching him. So I just grabbed him and pulled him up to my chest. I remember um, beforehand I had been concerned that like if I was going to catch my own baby, I, wonder- I wondered if he would be too slippery for me to like hold on to him. But in the moment, it was, like, so easy to just, like, reach down and grab him and pull him up to me. Um, I And he started crying, and I, like, turned him over to make sure that there was nothing on his nose or his mouth that he could have, like, get enough air. And then I stood up, and I realized that his, his cord was really short or something. Like, I couldn't pull him up to my chest. Like, he was kind of up at my stomach height and I remember being just really annoyed about this like Mm -hmm. and I almost couldn't even figure out how to fix it but then after a minute I realized that his cord was from his belly button it was up over his shoulder around the back of his neck and then back down so it was like Mm -hmm. it wasn't like around his neck fully it was just around the back and it was making it a lot shorter Mm -hmm. um so I unwrapped him and then I like was able to pull him to my chest and I sent Luke to go get some waterproof pads t- and clean towels so we could lay them on the couch so I could sit down because we were just, like, totally not prepared. We had, like, absolutely nothing ready. So he just got some of our bath towels. Like, we didn't even use the Chuck pat- Chuck's pads that we had prepared for this. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but he went and laid them on the couch, and I, I had to go over our rug, which I, I probably should have asked him to put towels down to make a path for me, but I just, like, kind of ran over the rug to get to the couch so that I didn't drip too badly on it. (laughs) Um, But I find it kind of crazy that I was with it enough to tell Luke to go get towels because with Sophia's birth, I was like, so gone by the end. Like I was just so exhausted that I couldn't even think. I almost couldn't even hold Sophia properly because I was just so tired. But I was like, so with it after, after Demi was born, it was like, so refreshing to like be so with the experience and just be able to appreciate all of it. But yeah, he was there and just like probably not even a minute after I had sat down on the couch, our midwife walks to the door and he was crying and she's like, Oh, I hear a baby. And she just helped um, me get him cleaned up. He actually, he actually pooped and peed on me while I was sitting there on the couch. So it was kind of a a giant mess. (laughs) Um, let me think. It's been six months since it happened, so I'm, like, trying to not forget any details. Um, yeah, Luke went and changed our bed sheets and um, we left Jimmy attached to the placenta for, like, an hour or more, which I was so excited about because we didn't do that with Sophia. Even though she was a home birth, my cord was mm-hmm. really short, so um, Sandano ended up cutting it after like 10 minutes mm-hmm. but i was so excited to do delayed cord clamping like as long as i wanted to mm-hmm. but our uh, Sandana so oh was now what? i
1: have a uh, i have a quick question from the time, time that you went into active labor just to recap this from the time that you went into active labor to the time that he was born how long was that
0: it was 2 hours <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah, super fast. Like went from like, oh, I wonder if I'm in labor. I'm not sure if I should even wake up Luke till, "Oh, hi, baby." <laughs> it was oh, like wow. crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Such mm-hmm. a night and day difference from my first 24-hour labor. Like I just can't even believe how much of a difference there was. I'm mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what my next one's like cuz I can't imagine it being much faster than that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was also going to mention that Sandano was looking at his cord and placenta and making sure that everything was there and she noticed that the cord was actually stained brown. So she said that means that he had meconium in the water. And mm. I after that I was like thinking about it. I almost wonder if my body knew that he had pooped or something and that's why that's partly why my labor was so fast. I don't know if that can happen. But that was interesting to me. And I was so glad that he had come out so fast that it never became an issue, but yeah, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then I started shaking so bad afterwards, just like all the adrenaline from it happening so fast. Like it took like all my concentration to like hold still and try to get the shakes to go away. Um, it was, I, I've never had like shakes take over my body like that It was weird. But, yeah, it it took, like, 45 minutes for my placenta to come out, and Sondado had to kind of help traction it a little bit because I just couldn't get very much – I couldn't – I don't really know how to explain it other than, like, I couldn't, like, get a grip on it. I don't know. It was, like, so much smaller than the baby, so my, like, uterus couldn't, like, grab onto it to, like, push it out in a way. But after she helped me traction it, it came right out, and – both times I've actually eaten my placenta. I know that's not super common, but it, it helped me so much with hormones and baby blues. And I'm definitely going to do that every single time because it's awesome. Mm-hmm. But if you eat
1: it raw, yeah. or it's how? Raw or hard or hard. Hard. Um,
0: yeah, I actually think these instructions are on the Indie Birth website. I think that's where I first discovered this. But I, um, I did steam it um, just in case there was bacteria on it. I just steamed it for like 10 minutes and then I cut it up into tiny pieces um, and then I froze it. And then I just ate those as um, pills, I guess. So it was kind of like semi-raw, but just steamed a little in case. My my midwife recommended doing that just in case you poop during labor, especially. There can be a lot of bacteria on the placenta. But yeah, I've done it that way both times and I really enjoy that way. It seems a little simpler than encapsulating it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it was totally perfect. And a little while later, I think Sundana was only there for like a couple hours. She like cleaned everything up and it was almost like nothing had even happened. And then my daughter woke up and got to meet her brother and it was, it was awesome. (laughs) But yeah, it was, it was kind of like my ideal birth experience. Like I can't even really imagine it having gone much better than that. It was just exactly what I wanted it to be like, which was really exciting. <laughs> yeah,
1: yay. Oh, um, thank, you so, thank you, you so much. Yeah. Really oh, uh, thank um, you. And, and is there, is there, yeah. yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to leave our listeners with any just wisdom or message?
0: Yeah, this is kind of what I tell all moms who ask me for advice is that just really trusting in your body and trusting in the process of birth is like everything to me. Like your body was so perfectly designed to do this specific thing. And if like we can just kind of get our fears out of the way and just trust in our bodies to do what they were made to do, it makes it so much easier. And so I guess just um, working on releasing fear and trusting in yourself is what I would tell other moms.
1: Cool. Awesome. Well, Megan, thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thank you. This was fun.
1: Yeah, it was so fun. Yeah, was Yay. So fun. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Storytelling is a profound agent of change, one that has the ability to plant seeds of inspiration introspection, and beyond. If you have an empowering birth story that you would like to share on our podcast, please head over to IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior to send your submissions. That's IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior. Hope you have a beautiful week wherever you are in the world. Until next time, friends.